Well, it's nearly the 4th of July, so you know what that means. It's time to buy earplugs in order to get a good night's sleep. I mean, leave it to America to celebrate the day they became a country with enough fireworks, gunpowder, and hot dogs to destroy at least seven major cities. You really gotta feel bad for all the people in Mexico and Canada who live right on the border during this time. They have to deal with all of America's fireworks during a holiday they don't even celebrate. I mean, I know many other countries use fireworks and such to celebrate things like their founding or other big events, but I think we can all agree that America is probably the loudest and most uh, flashy when it comes to celebrating a holiday like the 4th of July. In case you're unaware, the 4th of July is an American holiday celebrated uh, when in early July 1776, the Continental Congress unanimously voted to declare independence and John Adams declared that July 2nd would be remembered as the most important day in American history. Then two days later, the Act of Independence actually went into effect, and so America celebrates the 4th of July's Independence Day instead. So, to honor the day that America actually declared independence, I'm going to talk about the American Revolutionary War. Uh, but instead of telling you about the people you already know about, like George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and John Adams, today I'm going to be telling you about an unsung hero of the American Revolution. So, you know, it, it's someone who deserves to be remembered, and uh, but it's not written down anywhere in history books. And hey, who knows? Maybe someone listening to this episode will make a hit Broadway musical about him. So let's push this forgotten hero of the American Revolution into the limelight on this week's episode of... Historical hijinks. So before we go over the story of our unsung hero, let's do a quick recap of what actually happened at the American Revolution, for context, and a pad for time. It all began in North America in 1754, when Britain wanted to expand their colonial territory into France's colonial territory. Why? Because empire. So Britain sent a military unit led by an up-and-coming and militarily brilliant 22-year-old lieutenant colonel by the name of George Washington. Don't worry about him, though. He has no involvement with any of the events that happened later in American history. Anyway, this started what is called the French and Indian War, which was basically just Britain and its 13 colonies trying to conquer land from France's colonies. And by 1756, this boiled over into the Seven Years' War, which was a massive war with Great Britain, Prussia, which is basically Germany before Germany was a thing, and Portugal fighting France, Austria, Russia, Spain, and Sweden. This was a very big conflict. And after this major conflict, Britain was, uh, well, Britain was broke. It turns out that financing a military to conduct a seven-year-long, globe-spanning, brutal war is quite expensive. But not to worry, because Britain had a brilliant idea. Tax the American colonies. After all, much of the war was spent on protecting them from France. So it, it's, it's very fair and reasonable that they would help pay back the war debt. And yes, while that plan does seem perfectly reasonable to you... You forget that Americans are anything but reasonable and fair. And from there you know the rest. Tea was thrown into a harbor, the colonies rebelled, in 1777 Washington crossed the Delaware River. Aha! I tricked you! The British lieutenant colonel from a minute ago actually was important later in American history. The French joined and were the only reason America won, and James Madison ripped off the Iroquois Confederation and wrote the Constitution. The end. But there's a lot more that happened than just that, obviously. Like anything in history, if you only focus on the major events and historical figures, you miss a lot of cool things hidden in between the cracks. 
such as the story of James Armistead, a slave turned spy for the Revolutionary Army. You see, when war broke out, both the American and British sides would let black slaves enroll in their army, with the promise of freedom at the end of the war. But while the British deal was basically, fight for us and you gain freedom, most states had restrictions in which slaves could be freed if they fought. As a result, most slaves that fought in the American Revolution, unsurprisingly, fought for the British side. Which, to be fair, is totally understandable. I mean, fight for the side where you get your freedom, guaranteed, or fight for the side which might give you your freedom. It's not too hard to see why most sided with the British. And even then, most of the slaves that fought on the American side only did so as a stand-in for their owner. But in all of this, there was an exception. James Armistead. See, James's owner, William Armistead, no, they were not related. Uh, slaves usually had the last name of their owner because, you know, they were considered property and did not have a last name. But anyway, James's owner, William Armistead, uh, managed the military supplies in the state of Virginia. And in 1781, James got permission from William to join the American army. And he didn't do this to win his freedom or for glory, although those certainly were a very nice bonus. He joined because James wholeheartedly believed in the American idea of freedom, liberty, and justice for all. And so James was stationed underneath Marquise de Lafayette, the commander of the French forces. Now, if you're wondering why the French are involved in this conflict, uh, well, you know when you're playing an online team game at 3am and your team is losing, but then halfway through the match, someone with a South Korean username joins your team and carries you to victory? That was basically France in the American Revolution. After losing to the British during the Seven Years' War, France was looking for any chance to get revenge on the British. And the American Revolutionary War was their chance. They wanted revenge so bad that they poured a bunch of supplies and money into America, which ultimately devastated the economy and ended up leading to France's own revolution a couple years later, but I'm getting off topic. Uh, anyway, Lafayette had recently been defeated by British General Cornwallis. Lafayette had also been tasked with capturing Benedict Arnold, an American commanding officer who betrayed the American army and joined the British. To win, Lafayette needed to know his enemy's movements and decided to use James as a spy. See, unlike most slaves, James could read and write. And because so many slaves were joining the British side, he wouldn't cause any suspicion. So James posed as a runaway slave to a nearby British camp, and, you know, they were, and they accepted him, and they decided to use him as a spy for the British. But remember, he was still secretly a spy for the Americans. So, to, to not be confused, he was a spy for America, pretending to be a spy for the British that spies on America. That's right. James was a double agent. You think James Bond invented the old cliched movie plot twist of a double agent? No, 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 no. But yeah, James was a double agent. He would gather information on the British's tactics and movements while he was at the camp, and then while he was quote-unquote spying on the American army, he would relay this information to Lafayette. Then he would return back to the British base and feed the British fake information. This is a very difficult and delicate job, but he managed to pull it off. And then, in the summer of 1781, he found some plans that General Cornwallis was planning to move 10,000 British troops to Yorktown, which was currently occupied by the British, and uh, the Americans and French were trying to break through. If Cornwallis managed to get his troops into Yorktown, it would easily give the British a jumping-off point to send armies to, and then go and fight the Revolutionary Army 
which would basically mean that uh, America would lose this war. So, James wrote down this crucial information on a note and handed it off to Lafayette, which was something that the British never thought would happen, because they would have never expected a slave who can't read or write to read the secret plans and then write them down to hand him off. But James could read and write, and he did just that. And just like R2-D2 delivering the plans of the Death Star to the Rebellion, so too did James give Lafayette the information that would allow for victory. So, using the information that James had given them, George Washington, along with Lafayette, laid siege to Yorktown and defeated Cornwallis' army. This was also helped by a French naval blockade around Yorktown the British couldn't defeat, probably because French Navy ships at the time used a plain white banner for a battle flag. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, you heard me right, a, a plain white banner as a battle flag. You know, the universal symbol for surrender? Wait, are they surrendering or are they preparing to attack us, sir? Die, English scum. Is that what he thinks French people sound like? With Cornwallis's defeat on October 19, 1781, the British would be pushed back for the rest of the war, and the Battle of Yorktown basically won the war for the Americans, and it was all thanks to a little-known slave turned spy named James. And for his hard work and undying loyalty and patriotism to the country that he helped create, he was immediately thrown back into slavery. Yeah, it turns out that spy work didn't count as fighting in the war, according to the Virginia law that allowed slaves that fought in the American Revolution to uh, be free. Yeah, uh, this is why most joined the British. But but don't worry, because there there is a happy ending. After a few years of uh, unsuccessfully petitioning the state of Virginia to give him his freedom, Marquise de Lafayette, who owed so much to James's spy work during the war, helped him petition the government. And uh, with famous hero of the American Revolution, Marquise de Lafayette on his side, in 1887, James finally won his freedom. And, now that he was free, he was able to choose his own last name. And, in honor of the man who helped him earn his freedom, he became James Armistead Lafayette. And, he eventually gained his own land and lived as a farmer and a free man. Okay, welcome back to this this segment where I I, I answer your your historical questions that you ask me. Yeah, this is this. Remember the segment from last time? Yeah, I told you I was gonna make this a thing. Anyway, this question is: Why does the Hawaiian flag have the British flag in it? Hmm, okay, well, well, first off, that's called the Union Jack. It's the flag of the United Kingdom, and many former British colonies like Australia or the Bahamas have it in their flag. It's a combination of the British Saint George Cross the Scottish St. Andrew's Cross, and the Irish St. Patrick's Cross. And it's designed that way in order to be a symbol of unity across the four countries that make up the United Kingdom. England, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, who didn't get their dragon onto the flag, which, let's be fair, it would look absolutely awesome with it. Anyway, with the Hawaiian explanation, um, Hawaii used to not be a U.S. state. It was a kingdom that was unified under the rule of King Kamehameha, Yes, insert Dragon Ball joke here. Anyway, they were an independent kingdom, and they basically acted like a, like a truck stop for the Pacific Ocean. The Pacific Ocean is very big, and, you know, you need a place to stop, repair your ship, restock. And so Hawaii basically became the, the place where trade merchants would come, dock into port, restock, and get repairs. And so in order to keep relations between their biggest trade partners good... Hawaii made its flag a combination of the flag of the United Kingdom, Russia, and America. 
You can tell because the Union Jack is in the top corner, and the red, white, and blue stripes are representative of Russia and America's flag. And when Hawaii became a state, they just kind of kept it as their state flag. And now it's the only state with a Union Jack in their flag. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. And if you want to ask me a question, you can uh, tweet to me uh, with at histhijinks or email to me at historicalhijinkspodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, that's about all the time I have for today. Thank you so much for listening. Happy Fourth of July if, you know, you celebrate that. Um, yeah, if you want to ask me more questions or, you know, just want to say hi, you can uh, you can contact me uh, with Twitter at, at histhijinks or the email historicalhijinkspodcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I have a lot of fun doing these. Remember, I'm Nicholas Fowler, and this has been one for the history books. (laughs) 